Hello, welcome to the Pre-Lawland podcast. I'm Luke Kettering. Joining me today is Alexa Kluska. Um, Alexa is an attorney in Greenville, South Carolina. And so hopefully these questions help people out if they're looking to get into law school or become an attorney someday. So Alexa, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, Lou, it's good to see you. And thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Of course. Um, so basically, just the first question is just what's your origin story, where you're, where are you from, and when and why you decided you want to become a lawyer? So I'm from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, and I found my way all the way down here in um, Greenville, South Carolina. As far as why I decided to become a lawyer, there was no real big aha moment or soul searching that I had to do. I think it was always just the obvious path for me. I do have a distinct memory of being probably about eight years old. And I asked my mom um, what job I should get if I wanted to wear a suit and heels every day. And I guess I'd (laughs) seen that on TV and thought it looked cool. And she was like, I don't know, I guess a lawyer. And I said, okay, and the rest is history. (laughs) So, But I do think as I got older, it was the best translation and use of my skills. I mean, I love to read. I love history. I love to write. I love English. All of those majors that kind of lend themselves to the obvious path of going to law school. Um, And I have heard once or twice that I'm pretty good at arguing. So I guess it just worked out for me. Um, But I know it's definitely not that way. For everybody. My fiance, for example, he is also an attorney and he was actually in finance and was working in New York City at Lehman Brothers before the market crashed in 2008. Oh, yeah. It was kind of more of like a path of desperation, but it worked out for him too. So I know I'm lucky that my path was always set in stone, but just because yours isn't doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have a future in the law. So. Yeah, that's great. I, I know I know for myself, I it took me a while to figure out if it was right for me, if I was interested in it. Um, I think the good thing about law is that it's so broad. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely one of the appealing things for me about it is just really everything has to do with the legal system in some right. way or another. Right. If you're interested in business, then you can do business law or even health law, food law, entertainment law. I mean, really, mm-hmm. the, the options are endless. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So next question is best and or worst non-law job. And what did it teach you? I guess just job that you had before becoming an attorney. Okay. So I liked all the jobs I had before I became an attorney. So I don't know if the ones I'm about to say I could classify as the best or the worst. Um, I did work at limited two before it became justice. So just any (laughs) indication of how old I am, that does make me feel old. Um, At that job, I did develop an intense and irrational hatred for Taylor Swift. And Uh I think because that was probably like 2007. So that's when she was first coming on the scene. So I was being blinded by pink glitter in limited to and had Taylor Swift blasting in my ears at all times. So that was maybe the worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Still the country Taylor Swift back yeah, then. Exactly. <laughs> Before her, her big rebrand. Um, <laughs> but I was also a waitress and I loved being a waitress. I really mm-hmm. did. So that was a good job. 
I actually, to bring it back to law, um, I do think that doing jobs like that really gave me some good skills. You know, I would say mm-hmm. some good advice is to not turn your nose up to jobs like that because I actually met with a very um, high powered attorney when I was in law school and I had a receptionist and waitress on my resume. And he said that he loves hiring people who have experience in the service industry because mm-hmm. they understand how to talk to people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially if you are in trial, you know, the average um, education level of a juror is I think sixth grade. So okay. yeah. You, you, yeah, you went to law school and you know the legal jargon, but you can't act like you're all high and mighty because the people that you talk to are people from all walks of life. So I do think that jobs like that give you um, some good, some good experience and people skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess that'd be extremely important. Just talk getting used to talking to people and just communicating with different types of people. Right. Yeah. Very good. Um, So how did you prepare for the LSAT and then how did you pick your law school? And if you have any good advice for pre-law students, that's kind of a, Field question. <laughs> um, how I prepared for the LSAT, I took a class. I don't know if everyone needs to take a class, but I did. I'm mm-hmm. um, the type that I need some structure and I need to hear it and see it and take practice tests and all of that. So I know they're kind of expensive, but I'd probably take a class. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the South. So moving from Pittsburgh, didn't want to deal with those winners anymore. Just yeah. wanted to get out of where I'd been my whole life. So I applied all over the South. Um, mm. I would say keep an open mind about where you want to practice and what you want to practice. I think it's important to be exposed to different areas and different types of law before you pigeonhole, pigeonhole yourself into any one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also say when you're choosing law schools that scholarship money should be a factor. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should, I guess, not go to a school you really, really want to go to because of that. But at the same time, debt really sucks. Yeah. So if, you know, it's down to like two schools and one, you have really great scholarship money. I think that's definitely something to consider. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think it's pretty important to be going to school where you kind of hope you want to work at someday, like just being in the same area as that? Well, when I went to law school, the um, each state had its own specific bar exam. Mm-hmm. And I think that they were starting to implement what's called the UVE, which I know South Carolina has now, but I was the last group to take the MBE, which was the South Carolina specific bar exam. Okay. So I think now it's a little bit easier to move states, but mm-hmm. If I had, you know, gone to law school in Pennsylvania, say, and then wanted to move down here, I would have had to take the bar again here. So yeah, if you know where you want to be for sure, I would just probably pick a law school there for the ease of not having to move all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. But that might be different now with the UVE. But one, and I'll probably talk about this more as we go through the questions, um, but I think one thing to think about too is one of the most important things you can do to help yourself is to network and make connections. Mm-hmm. And I made so many connections in law school and that's how I got every job. So I would say it would be very difficult to make all those connections and then choose to leave them and go somewhere else and have to start over because yeah, start over, 
then better, you know, you better believe that there were people in those law schools making connections and then they're going to be fighting for the same job with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, what did you learn to survive and or succeed in law school? The next question. So I think that this is probably the most important piece of advice I could ever give one when I talk to somebody who wants to go to law school. Um, so Lou, take notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I went to law school, I was not the smartest by any means. I think I was pretty much like right mid-level in my class ranking. I did fine. I did average. I was not killing it. I was not failing. But I spent a lot of time worrying about what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a stressful environment. So you can't help but compare yourself to people. But like, for example, um, your 1L year, and I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that this is the same for most law schools. You do what's called OCIs or on-campus interviews. So you actually have to apply to get an interview. And then all of these big law firms come on campus and do interviews on campus. Mm-hmm. Send your resume just to get an interview slot. And I remember that I just so happened to be good friends with a girl who was literally number one in our class. Uh-huh. And she got like 10 different OCI interviews and I got one or two. And I was so distraught because I thought I wasn't doing well. If I didn't get those interviews, I wasn't doing well. I remember another time, this same girl, we were in the library and she had a stack of probably a thousand flashcards. And I went home yeah. and I was like, oh my God, should I be making flashcards? I have to start making <laughs> flashcards. And it was like the night before the final. So no flashcards at that point would have helped me. And I wasted time worrying about that when really I should have just been focusing on my strengths. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. wasn't until um, two a year where I got involved in mock trial and had a lot of success with that. And I really... Um, I think hit my own path and hit my own stride. And once I hit my own stride and I realized like, okay, that's not the path for me. I don't need to get all these on-campus interviews because I don't want to work at a huge corporate law firm where I'm writing motions. Like I Mm -hmm. like to be in the courtroom. I, um, I like criminal law. I like, so I think it just takes being honest with yourself, focusing on yourself, be confident in doing what works for you and just block out all the noise because law school's hard enough. You can be worrying about other people. You have enough crap to do on your own. So just block out the noise, put your head down and work hard. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Um, you talked about mock trial a little bit, but are there any like student groups or associations that you recommend or that you were glad that you did? I, w- I am so glad that I did mock trial. That was the the best thing I did in law school for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really what set me apart when I was applying for jobs because, um, my team and I, we had a lot of, a lot of success with mock trial and it's just an interesting thing to talk about in interviews. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, all the interviews I've been to, um, the employer asks about that and wants to know. So it's just something that sets you apart. But again, back to my other point, I think that you know, when you find your path and you find things that work for you, you know, that, that is what sets you apart. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I mean, mock trials, great. Moot court's great. I assume that most law schools have different organizations and groups for specific interests. I know USC has a ton, but um, I definitely recommend getting as involved as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. I think Um, that your your 2-0 year is where you do that mostly. Like your 1-0 year, everything's pretty structured for you. And they really try to limit the things that you do outside of your normal classwork, just because it is demanding and it's a lot, your 1-0 year getting used to everything. So mm-hmm. they try to um, keep you pretty, pretty focused on class your 1-0 year. And then your 2-0 year is when you can sign up for all those other things. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you. Um so what is your best and or worst or wildest law school story that you can talk about? You know, I, I don't really have one. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty even keel experience. Um, I know that in movies you see like people hiding books in the library and ripping out pages of yeah. research <laughs> so other kids can't get it. Um I had a pretty good law school experience and I wouldn't say that anything really sticks out as being particularly good or particularly bad. I liked my school. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Yeah. I think a lot of people probably just have a good experience and aren't super outlandish or anything. I know kind of growing up, like my mom would always watch like Legally Blonde and stuff like that. So I guess when I was younger, my perception of law school is pretty distorted <laughs> yeah yeah that's I think that's probably a lot of a lot of um people's first thought is legally blonde my yeah. mom still laughs at me and calls me you know my hair is brown but she calls me <laughs> legally blonde or Elwood to this day even though I've been a lawyer for a few few years now so <laughs> um so I guess now moving a little bit past law school um how did you prepare for the bar exam or any stories or experiences about that? The bar exam freaking sucks. There is no <laughs> way around it. You got to do it. You got to just put your nose down and study. Take a class. Don't, 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 don't try to do it on your own. And I would do Barbary. I did Barbary. I think there are a couple others out there, Kaplan and a few other ones. I don't think it's the time to get cute and try to save money and do a cheap class or do it on your own or get someone else's old books because I think that you'll end up eating that cost on the back end when you have to take the bar for a second or a third time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would just suck it up, pay the money, take Barbary and In my experience, if you stick with the program, it's about three months and you have work every single day. If you stick with it, you'll pass. Most of the people I know who fail the bar either didn't take Barbary or they didn't um, commit to the time. You really just have to stick with the program. and And if you fail, I think it really is a time management issue, but it is awful. I mean, it is three months. You, I have never been so mentally exhausted, but also physically exhausted, just sitting at a desk all day and studying from, you know, eight in the morning till eight at night for three months. It's a lot, but hopefully you just put your time in the first time you get it done and you never have to do it again. (laughs) 
Is that kind of more like during your third year of law school or kind of are you already graduated at that point or is that are you working on that stuff more like while you're in school? So while you're in school, this may be different at other schools, but I know at USC you do general bar exam sort of like workshops Mm -hmm. where all of the students in your class will get together over like a lunch hour or something and do a practice question. There's not a whole lot of really intense bar prep that happens during law school. Now, you are taking classes that will eventually end up being on the bar. So I guess in in that sense, it's all bar prep, you know, contracts and torts and civil procedure and criminal law and all those like general law topics typically end up on on the bar exam. but most of the time you graduate from law school in May and then start bar prep like end of May. And then you have end of May, June and July to prep. And then in South Carolina, the bar is at the end of July. Mm-hmm. And when I took it, I mentioned earlier that they South Carolina switched from the MBE to the UBE. So it used to be three days. Now it's only two days, which I think makes a big difference because yeah. that third day, oh my gosh, I could barely even see straight. So <laughs> I think it's it's a lot better being two days now. Y'all have yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier now than back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what Pennsylvania is? I'm not totally sure. No. I was still kind of just fresh off the LSAT. So that's the next test I have to start looking into again. Yeah, let your PTSD wear off before you start thinking about the bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so then I guess after the bar exam, um, how did you find your first lawyer job or any career advice for fresh law school graduates? So I think it's really important to network. For me, particularly, it's not my first instinct. Um, I can tend to be kind of antisocial and get anxiety and big networking group events and things like that. But it is really important. And as much as people don't like to say it's who you know, it's who you know, and mm-hmm. can't escape it. Um, I Every job I've gotten has been because of connections that I made in law school. And then that builds and snowballs and you keep making connections. And that's just, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. So for me specifically, I was invited to this group in law school called the John Belton O'Neill Inn of Court. And that was sort of a networking group. And they chose students who were very involved in particular activities from like all walks of life in law school. So I think for me, it was just my involvement in mock trial, but they had a couple of kids from moot court, a couple of kids from journals, a couple of kids from, you know, diversity and inclusion and from a broad spectrum of things in law school. And they um, also got, you know, judges and senators and lawyers and all kinds of people who were involved in the legal community. And once a month we would have an event. And I remember I met the judge that I ended up clerking for after law school at one of those events. And he was just like, Hey, I'm interviewing for a new law clerk. Are you interested? And I said, okay, sure. So I sent him my resume and got that job. I had a great experience clerking for my judge. We're still very close. Um, we traveled all over the state and I got to see all different things in court. And then after that year of observation, I was confident that I wanted to be in the solicitor's office, Mm -hmm. which in South Carolina, it's 
called a solicitor, but it's basically like a district attorney or um, I can't even remember what they're called in other other states. District attorney. Yeah, yeah. South Carolina, it's a solicitor. So I knew I wanted to be, oh, a prosecutor. That's what I meant. Yeah, prosecutor. (laughs) So I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I um, just told him and he told me to send my resume to someone that he knew in Greenville. And here I am. So everything just builds on each other. And, you know, I just wouldn't take any connection that you make in, in law school for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Good advice. Um, so what was your first big success as a lawyer or also the moment, you know, you arrived? <laughs> I think my first big success was being involved in trials. Mm-hmm. specifically winning my first trial there's just nothing better than being in trial in my opinion now other people might think differently and if you like to do contracts or you know sit at a desk and that's more your speed then you probably wouldn't agree with me but for me in particular i think that there is nothing more intense and rewarding than um than being in trial. Mm -hmm. I, so like I said before, I'm a solicitor and I handle, um, I'm in the crimes against children unit. So I handle all, um, child sexual abuse, physical neglect, and also just adult, you know, rape cases and things like that. So Mm -hmm. they are particularly difficult, but also exceptionally rewarding when you win one. So Yeah. yeah, I always say that it's like the most elevated form of war like <laughs> if you ever watch um like old movies and you see people around like a strategy table and they're strategizing like how to go to war mm-hmm. that's what I feel like when I'm in trial <laughs> so you definitely have sleepless nights and I know that I'm getting really really into trial preparation when I can't sleep and when I'm practicing my closing argument in the shower and you just you just can't get it out of your brain but um It is so intense, but also so rewarding. So all that's to say, my favorite moment of this job and my favorite moment of being a new lawyer was winning my first trial. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's a big first huge hump to get over. And then it's a lot easier or or just different after that first win. Yeah, for sure. It's a a good confidence booster. And I don't think I'll ever forget my first trial. Mm -hmm. It was a um, child sexual abuse case. and. Yeah, I will never forget it. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's it's all very good stuff you do. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so what skills do you use the most or think are most valuable for a lawyer? I think that being reasonable is the best skill that you can have. I think that when you're a lawyer, you want to be right. And you are good at talking. That's probably one of the skills you have if you've chosen to take a path mm-hmm. or a career path in the law. You're good at talking. You like to hear yourself talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that you need to, quote unquote, win every case. I think a lot of cases are actually won in negotiation. And that's a lot of what I do as a prosecutor is 
um, try to work cases out because not every case has to go to a trial. So sometimes, you know, I have cases and they're not, not that great. And I have to be reasonable and say, okay, will he take a plea offer? I know if I go to trial on this one, I'll probably lose. So what can we do to get this case done? Mm-hmm. And some other ones I'm like, eh, no, this is a trial. Sorry. I'm not going to be reasonable on this one. We're going to trial. So I think you just need to, um, be reasonable. It's not all about winning and not every case has to be like this huge battle or contentious or adversarial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess where you work, you probably get to know the defenders around you pretty well after a while. Oh yeah, definitely. We're a lot of us are friends, you know, Mm -hmm. issues come up, but at the same time, that's just the nature of the job. It's an adversarial job. I mean, we yeah. are going against the public defender or private attorneys too. So um, normally we just try to work through our problems and we have the common goal of getting the case resolved. So um, most of the time it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is your most favorite or rewarding part about being a lawyer? I guess you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but. Yeah, I would say the trials again. Uh huh. But especially working with kids, that's really mm-hmm. rewarding. When you win a trial or not even a trial, even a plea, but when somebody, when you have a child victim and they get closure because of what you've done, whether mm-hmm. it be by plea or a trial, you know, they feel better and they see the person who's harmed them get up in court and say, yeah, I did it. And they take responsibility for it. I think that's really therapeutic. So for them, I mean, so helping yeah. a kid work through that and then getting some closure and resolution for them, I think is, a, is definitely a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I guess on the other side of that is just your least favorite or what's the most challenging part about what you do? I think the hardest thing on a day-to-day basis is sometimes feeling burnt out. And I think that every lawyer definitely has that, even if you're dealing with like insurance, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. a hard job and it's a lot of work. But for me in particular, you know, I just deal with really heavy stuff every day. And I think if you go into this line of work, like a public service job, you know, criminal law is considered public service or government or working for a nonprofit or whatever it may be, you're not motivated by money. You know, I'm not motivated by money. I truly want to make a difference. I could go to a private firm and probably make double what I'm making now, but I really do do this job just because I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So when you're not getting things done or not getting them done the way you want to, especially during COVID, that's been hard because it's really slowed down our criminal justice system. But when you're just pulling from internal motivation of wanting to do the right thing and wanting to do it well, and you don't have, you know, you're not moving cases and you don't have the external motivation, sometimes that just gets overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, for every case, that I dispose of, I get probably three more in its place. (laughs) Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all this work and I am doing it because I really, really care. But am I making a difference? Because, you know, I helped one kid, but there are 300 other kids that I need to help. So like, what good is this one case? But then you think about the one kid that you did help 
And that is motivating for me. I'm sure you, you know, the people listening to this podcast eventually won't be able to see my office, but you can see it and you can see how I'm just surrounded <laughs> by files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sometimes that can just get a little, a little overwhelming. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm sure just, just most government jobs in general, that's a big, that that's why people are there, but it can also be a big downside of it too, at some points. Right. For sure. But the, the public defender's office has that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one is there's just a wild story you have about your job or just since you've been a lawyer, if there's anything, I mean, I'm sure based on what you talk about, there's a lot of very interesting and pretty crazy stuff that you've experienced. So much, so much crazy stuff. <laughs> My friends who I work with, we always say that we should start writing a book because mm-hmm and just compiling all of our stories into a book because every day is crazy. And we say every day, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. (laughs) Because some of the stuff is honestly just too unbelievable to make up. (laughs) Yeah. But um, one case that I thought of that since I've been here has been so interesting, it's completely disposed of now. So I won't give any crazy details, Mm -hmm. but, um, I can, I can talk about it. So we had this case where, um, they, there was a father who was in a custody battle with his wife, his ex-wife, they had two kids and her family conspired to kill him and ended up, um, like luring him into their home under the false pretense of like having a meeting about the kids. And then the whole, the whole entire was family was sitting there for this family meeting and they started like beating him with a hammer and then he jumped out the window and the grandpa came around and shot him and then tried to say <laughs> that it was um self-defense and that he was breaking into the house mm-hmm. so it was this whole like self de- really interesting self-defense issue and actually um the whole entire family was prosecuted and they were all found guilty of murder so they're all in jail now but that was a really really crazy one yeah and that's also just a lot of different issues all being brought together at one time <laughs> yeah definitely that one was like a lifetime movie i would yeah if someday it is <laughs> <laughs> um so and i guess kind of what you already talked about is how you can kind of feel burnt but um is there a way you sp- like achieve a work-life balance and just try to work at not getting too burnt out or anything yeah that's a that's a tough one Um, again, just in my line of work, there's depressing stuff that I deal with on a daily basis. I was actually just, um, crying at the dinner table last week, thinking about this horrible new case that's come into my office that I am helping out with. But, um, and especially that's hard for me because my fiance is also a prosecutor. He's a federal prosecutor. So Mm -hmm. that the law just really permeates like every single conversation that we have. Sometimes we have to be like, okay, enough. We can't talk about work anymore. And we actually find ourselves watching a lot of like Disney plus and Pixar movies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes you just don't want to watch something depressing and like sad, some sad drama on TV. So we revert back to those old movies, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a palate cleanse. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. And I think that when you do see what we see on a daily basis, it just, it really changes your whole perspective on life. I 
you can ask my family, I say all the time, get a real problem. Because (laughs) when you see what people deal with, you know, it just changes like everything you have to be thankful for in life. And, um, you know, I was blessed with a good family and I know you were too. It's just, um, it makes you really thankful for the things that we have. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good perspective to have just in anything in general. Right. So I'm, I'm actually thankful for that, that it, it does show you what's out there and then knowing that you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess the next question kind of, right. Um, what is something you do as a lawyer that allows you to make a difference, which kind of talked about a decent bit. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I won't, um, beat a dead horse, but I think, you know, I've talked a lot about what I do specifically, but I think that you, there are, there are so many facets of the law where you still help people. I mean, I'm helping people directly. So like people who need help come into my office and I help them. But that's the good thing about the law is that pretty much every form of law that you're getting into helps people in one fashion or another. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you go into a lawyer's office because you um, need a will, or if you go into a lawyer's office because you were in a car wreck, or you're a company and someone slips and falls in your lobby, you know, you need help. Mm-hmm. So there are so many different ways to help people in the law. So I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what's a big misconception that the public has about lawyers or just the legal profession in general that you think should be cleared up? <laughs> I think that lawyers, a misconception would be that lawyers are like shysty or dishonest. I don't really think that's the case. I talked mm-hmm. a little bit about how we get along with defense attorneys generally. And I think that's important. So I don't, it hasn't been my experience, but you know, if you watch a movie, then there's always like the defense attorney who has a fancy car and fancy watch and shiny suit. And that's not really how it is in real life. Yeah. I know my mom and I always watch, um, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul with Bob Odenkirk. And she always says, I she hopes I don't end up like him. <laughs> Lou, I don't think you could. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, so I guess I kind of answered what mine was for 17, but what is your favorite depiction of lawyers in like a book or TV or movie? Um, this is an old one, but have you ever watched My Cousin Vinny? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God, I love that movie. It is so, so good and so funny. Um, I That's just a really good movie, but actually... I have heard that that movie is one of the most um, accurate depictions of the rules of usage of the rules of evidence. Mm-hmm. And actually in law school, um, there is a very esteemed federal judge in South Carolina who is a huge Mike and Vinny fan. And he uses um, the scene where Vinny qualifies his girlfriend as an expert in the car. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. So he uses that example to teach us how to qualify an expert in court. And um, I went back and watched it a few months ago, I think, actually. And it actually was pretty spot on. So yeah, it's a good one. I also love um, A Time to Kill, I think it's called, with Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen mm-hmm. it? I, I know what that is, but that one I haven't seen. <laughs> That's a good one. You should watch it. His closing argument, it's, I don't think it's quite as accurate. But um, his closing argument is so good, it gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah, I know even in my, like, undergraduate legal classes, we watched 
my cousin Vinny and probably three of them that like the same scene you were talking about. Yeah, classic. <laughs> um, so I guess any uh, book recommendations or ones that you've learned the most from? Do you mean like legal books or just other? I, I think it could be either. Whichever one you think is more. <laughs> I can't really think of any like school books that were really helpful for me. Um, I don't know. I, I have read a, a lot of um, John Grisham books. Those are great. Mm-hmm. I guess those have to deal with the legal world. And yeah. his, his um, plots and the issues in the plots are normally pretty spot on. I think so (laughs) sometimes I read those. Yeah, that's good. Um, if you could change or eliminate one law, what would it be? I have a problem with laws that are enforced differently state to state. Now I I think that sometimes that's just necessary and it's going to happen because that's how we operate here in, you know, America, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking particularly of marijuana. Yeah. Um, I still get a lot of possession of marijuana cases because it is illegal in South Carolina to have marijuana. But if I go to another state, I can go to a dispensary and buy it just like I would go to the liquor store and buy buy a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, you know, I think it's different too if you're like trafficking thousands of pounds of marijuana from a drug cartel. Now that's a different story. Yeah. But um, I just wish that we would all get on the same page with that because it seems like it's trending in one direction and um, it just doesn't make sense when there are really, really bad guys out there that we're still focusing on that in some states and yeah. we're not all on the same page. Yeah, I, yeah, I would imagine that'd be very frustrating if it's with as big of issues as you're dealing with and then still just kind of petty ones that are legal in some other places but not just happen to not be where you are right exactly um so do you have any plans or goals outside the legal profession or post lawyer life I guess um I mean, still have a lot of goals in my legal profession I don't I don't know if I'll be a lawyer forever I love being a lawyer but I could also see myself um, being involved in something with cooking. I love to cook. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a coffee shop or restaurant or something like that is in my future. But for now, I am perfectly happy being a lawyer and I love what I do. Um, and I have a lot of goals here that I need to achieve first. Like I have um, a lot of murder cases that I'm working on mm-hmm. and none of them have gone to trial yet. So I one big goal of mine is I want to... Um, have a you know successfully prosecute a murder trial so yeah and i'm sure like especially with what you do but just any lawyer legal job in general kind of if you want to do anything after i'm sure it opens a lot of doors just your experience kind of with everything i guess yeah yeah that's true i think so too um and then this is the last question um what is the best wisdom or life advice you've ever received Um, I have to go back to my dad for this. He's the king of good advice. And he always says, you got to give to get. That is one of his taglines. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important. Um, And I think it is good advice for law students. You know, you get out of things what you put into them. So whether it be law school or your legal profession or whatever it may be, 
Um, I think it's just really important that you can't expect returns unless you are investing your own time and energy. So mm-hmm. um, you got to give to get is my favorite advice. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, and that was the last question. Um, thank you so much for being here and answering all these questions. I'm sure this will help a lot of people who are looking to get into the legal profession. I hope so. <laughs> thank you very much, Alexa. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lou.